fact, not fiction as it regards America, and whether domestically or internationally. And like everything, there's a lot going on in the world, and especially right now, the chaos that's going on in Washington about who's going to run or who's going to be the next speaker of the House and represented. But before we get started, let me introduce my two famous co-hosts. There's Big Bad Joe Bitts, former combat Marine who was wounded in Iraq. Because like I always say, he stepped on something he probably shouldn't have. But he's all right physically. I don't know about mentally, but he's there. And then there's Joe. Um, I mean, Joe. There's Ray Krause, ret- uh, retired Marine. So we got basically three veterans talking about issues facing America. So how's it going, guys? Great, so John. what do you, I mean, you've been talking a lot of, to me about this whole debacle in Washington. I mean, what is your impression about this? Who's going to be the next speaker of the House of Representatives now that the Republicans are in control, even if bat for five vote for five members? Okay, what I was kind of coming across, does it show weakness in our country if we can't establish who, who we want as a speaker? No, some could say yes, it shows dis. Um, how America is devolving into chaos. But just because the Republicans take over doesn't mean someone's anointed to be the next speaker. I know. I he w- it was kind of brazen of him to um, move his stuff in before he was even yeah. elected. Like, that's, you know, and I think, uh, isn't Matt Gates kind of like trying to file an eviction or something yeah, like that? I mean, <laughs> Matt Gates is, I mean, He's part of the Freedom Caucus. He talks a lot, but he doesn't produce much results. Um, I think it's also healthy because I talked to a friend of mine who follows. He's a democracy and follow these political trends for his, 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 his business. And he thought it was a healthy thing. And I would first I was like, what? Then I started when he was when he was speaking. I thought it is a good thing because now the Republicans um, get to think about what do they stand for? Because remember, during the midterms, we were told there's going to be this red wave, mm-hmm. and the Republicans kept complaining about how bad Joe Biden is, and there's a lot of element to that when more than 65% of the country thinks we're on the wrong direction. But then again, they could never say, well, what are you for? I mentioned to him about three, four weeks prior to the midterms, the national report card for education came out and said our scores plummeted a big result of COVID, but it also showed even before COVID, our numbers were down. Mm-hmm. And I said, okay, this is where the Republicans are going to come out with all these uh, commercials. Regarding, they didn't come out with one. So Trump came on a ca- – oh, yeah, go ahead, Ray. All right, uh, Sky Angel 1964, I'll be with you right uh, in a second. Beach Baby 226 said, after six attempts, wouldn't one just want to just step back? She makes a good point. That is a good point. I mean, after at some point, you know you're not going to get the speaker, the speakership. Maybe it should be for the good of not just the party, but good for the country is step back. Uh-huh. And um, one of the names the Freedom Caucus was floating was um, Byron Donaldson. D- excuse me, Byron Donalds. He's a Republican congressman from Naples, Florida. And incidentally, happens to be African American. They floated him. I want him. A, I want him. Potential. So, and I've looked at uh, as a well, p- potential uh, speaker of the house. I looked up his background, and he de- he he has a pretty good re- resume. He does a lot of stuff in business. He went to the University of Florida. He was raised by a single mom. I think he can be more relatable 
to a, a great swath of the country. And this would put the Democrats in a kind of a bind because right now Cori Bush, the firebrand progressive lawmaker from St. Louis, said, oh, he's not a, an inspiration. He's just – it's like a pathetic choice equating him with being the, the puppet of white nationalism or white supremacy. So when should we go over to Sky Angel, baby? Okay. Or so Sky Angel in 1964. Yes. Uh, nice tagline. I like that. So she said, um, but do you understand that they all moved into an office? They have to do that. So they have. And then she continues on. A lot of them did that. Look that up. He was not the only one. And I'm assuming it's the Kevin McCarthy moving into. No, I think she I think she she makes a good point. I think she's correct. They do this knowing that. They haven't been sworn in. Kevin McCarthy is the, the leader of the, uh, the Republican Party when they were in the minority. So they just move in until they're – none of the – nobody right now is official because right. you don't have a speaker, so you can't swear anybody in. You can't get any business down. So I would say she's absolutely correct. They mm -hmm. just moved in because they were – he was going to be the potential speaker. So it's just a more formality. If it doesn't happen, then – Kevin McCarthy would have to vacate that office and the new speaker would come in. Now, does, is Trump a pro-McCarthy kind of guy or is he just kind of wants the Republicans in or just to kind of hash it out? Because I'm kind of on the side of like the, that's the small party kind of breaking off and wanting to meet demands that they kind of set aside a few uh, months ago. And they're like, you know, and kind of like, yeah, 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 we'll look into this kind of stuff like that. I think there needs to be like a deal made within the Republicans because, you know, we're looking at this as we're doing this for our people as well. See, now, I don't know if Trump was a McCarthy person. That I don't know. Um, you can only ask Donald Trump. He, I think he's looking at where this, the longer this holds up or we don't get a speaker, it puts the – the issues that the country needs to focus on in the back burner, and then you can't get a lot of the investigations that the Republicans also want to look at. So there's twofold. You can't investigate, and you can't help get the country moving again, like on the economy, on gas prices, on immigration, on anything, because you can't get anybody seated. Nobody's been sworn in. So right now we're at a stalemate. Nothing can get done. Mm -hmm. They passed a $1.7 trillion Trek, But that had nothing to do with Kevin McCarthy. No, but he was the one who voted. For no, no, Kevin, no, Kevin McCarthy did not vote for that. No. You know, that is actually a good question that Ray brings up. Is that can we see who's voting for what? Yeah, that's easy. You, um, there's different websites you can go to that can say who voted for. So um, didn't, each, did, now for the ominous bill that passed, there was I think 16 Republicans that voted for it. Some of them su surprised me, like one of them was Tom Cotton, the conservative senator from Arkansas. I was kind of really shocked that he did because he tends to be con conservative fiscally as well as on other, every other issue. So I was surprised he went that way. Others, not so much. A lot of them who are retiring or moving on, they, they, they voted for it in the House. The, t the, the nine that voted for it were typically those who were leaving anyway. And I think this was their last little stab in the dark. But on other things, um, you have to look at some of the spending. When I check and see from the Freedom Caucus, we did the the infrastructure bill, which was a big boondoggle. It's not going to fix America's infrastructure. You had the chips bill, and then you had the um, 
the Inflation Reduction Act that I don't think, um, if I remember right, no Republican voted for that because that was just a big giveaway and did nothing. Even nobody right now is saying it's helping reduce inflation. So, so. other than McCarthy, who would you think would be a good speaker? Uh, Ray and I were kind of going back and forth about Jim Jordan, <clears throat> but I think he'd be more valuable as like the pit bull that he is when it comes to... Um, I think... I think Jim Jordan would have been a good speaker, but I think his big – he really wants to – he's going to chair the Judiciary Committee. Mm -hmm. So this is when they're going to look at some of these key um, investigations that were never investigated by the, um, the Democrat, uh, by the Democrats. To be honest, I would like to see Byron – I mean, right now, if it's between uh, McCarthy, if he's not it, then there's Steve Scalise. He's the next one down from there. And then – but maybe Byron Donaldson can bring a fresh face to the Republican Party and should be a different look. Because if you look at the last couple elections beginning in 2016, as much as people want to bemoan Donald Trump, he's flipped the party, uh -huh. meaning they used to be the party of big business, corporate America, the country club. Now the Republican Party is the party of the working class. If you made less than $100,000 or if you didn't go to college, you're typically a Republican. And then for some of the ethnic groups, like he, um, the last two elections, three election cycles, if you start 2016, they, Republicans gain more of the African-American vote, the Hispanic vote, the Asian vote, because now we need to cater to issues that Americans cater about. And I think education is a, one of the big key points. That's what got Ron DeSantis in the, the governorships in 18 and also – Brian Kemp in um, Georgia. So does this kind of like show it's going to be a little bit of a rocky start for the um, Republicans now that they can't they kind of can't agree on who to represent not only them, but the House? I think it is a rough, rough start. Um, it depends how they handle it. Eventually, they're going to come to a speaker and mention maybe the uh, one point that was brought up is that. If Kevin McCarthy is on his fifth, sixth, and seventh vote and he's not getting it, maybe it's just say, okay, for the best of the party and best for the country, let me step down. I'll still be in the Congress. I can have some voice or some role to play in the uh, the Republican majority. Maybe give it to somebody else. And we have seen it in, in the past. Sometimes you think a candidate or a person is going to be the, the perfect choice, and someone comes up and – surprises you so maybe there's going to be a surprise whether it's steve scalise who i think is the minority whip in the republican party in the house or it could be but maybe it's maybe the the republican party needs that fresh face of byron donalds mm -hmm. maybe that's just so i like byron donald i like steve scalise i really don't think mccarthy did that much uh within the first two years but you also have to look at it like he was kind of tied especially with the democrats kind of controlling the house um, but like, is the speaker, even though he might, you know, even though he's going to be a Republican, is he going to be very involved in what, you know, Biden or with, the, with our president, or is it just because, uh, you saw Pelosi, Nancy Pelosi and Schumer kind of like at his side and you always saw, uh, president Trump kind of talking to Schumer and Pelosi well, because they, as, because they control their party mm -hmm. you're gonna have to like right now when before the the midterms biden was very involved with pelosi and 
Schumer because they controlled both the House and the Senate. Well, if President Biden wants anything to get done, he's going to have to deal with the Republican Speaker of the House. He's just going to have to. Mm -hmm. Now, the one thing that the Republicans can do, you can pass all the bills you want. The Senate probably won't take them up or pass them. But you can neuter some of the things they're doing. You can hold the uh, executive uh, agencies like this whole debacle with – the airlines in Southwest. Yeah. Was it, I was talking with your wife and she mentioned some people that she knew. It was an utter disaster. So the question, okay, yeah, we got it. There should be accountability. What did Southwest do with the $7 billion? But then there's also accountability for Pete Buttigieg, the Secretary of Transportation, because Ro Khanna, the Democratic progressive uh, congressman from California, wrote him a letter saying, this is in September. There's problems with the, the aviation system. We had problems in December of 2021. We had problems last summer, and we had problems again. So my question for Pete Buttigieg is, what are you doing? We know the vacations you're taking. Yeah. We know you went on a a flight, a military flight to the Netherlands on a trip. (laughs) So what are you doing to solve these problems? Yeah. And 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 it shows he's over. He's um, he's um. He's out of his element. There's other cabinet secretaries. You have Secretary Granholm, Secretary of Energy. You have Javier Becerra, the Secretary of uh, Health and Human Services. You really haven't heard of, and we've had a pandemic and some uh, some of these other issues. So there are things that the Republicans can do, and then be in control of the committees. They have oversight to find out. What do we know about Hunter Biden? Look at the scandal that's going on with Twitter, releasing all the cl- uh, the information showing the government throughout our national security agents, from the FBI, CIA, d- the director of national intelligence, to members of Congress like Adam Schiff, getting with Twitter to um, shut down different accounts. So that's free speech. Is that free speech? Is Matt Gates kind of like? Uh, maybe stirring a pot just to get somebody else other than McCarthy because, I it mean, it could be. I don't know what's going on through Matt Gates's thing. I just wish they would have done this. But um, it seems to be growing. Ray noticed that it went from like what did it start off with Ray? People that weren't voting five. for McCarthy. Uh, I think it started voted at five or then something. Then it went like to that. twenty. Then yeah. It went, then it went to ten. Then eleven. Now we're up to like twenty. The the only thing I wish they would have done. Once they knew the Republicans controlled, that had the, 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 the House of Representatives, I wish they would have done it then. Hey, listen, we're never going to vote for you. I wish the other 15 would have, because we knew it was five all the way up until just last week. Mm-hmm. I wish we would have had these other 15. If you didn't like Kevin McCarthy, and I hate to use this term, I know you guys are a little bit more adjective on your podcast is Go for I wish it. they would have had the balls enough to stand up and said I don't support Kevin McCarthy I won't support him so then maybe they could have hashed this out prior to taking over officially the house on the um, uh, the third yeah and we could have avoided all this because you got to remember it's not what's best for the Republican Party. It was how does this help the American people? Yeah, and then wouldn't Steve Scalise kind of be a little bit better suited for that? Since it could be. I mean, <clears throat> or even, who was the other person? Uh, Byron Donalds. Byron Donalds. I mean, I, I, mean I, only, I see 
okay, Byron Donald, I see kind of like a Republican kind of Republicans putting him up as like an FU to Democrats. Like not only uh, did we, you know, put the first black speaker there, but, you know, he's a Republican. And that's kind of that's but sending see, a, that's sending a clear message. It is. But see, I think the Republicans are different. Republicans don't let I me. Mean, this is where people can fault me on this one. I'm sure I'll probably get questions on this one. Republicans don't look at a minority just to say, oh, let's put up the black guy. So that was put a thumb in the eye. No, the Democrats. Didn't. Democrats look at race <laughs> at everything they do. Because mm-hmm. look at Cori Bush. She said about Byron Donalds. She just despite. Oh, he's just a, another face of white supremacy. I mean, really? Yeah. Has she looked at, has anybody looked at the city of St. Louis and how crime-ridden it is? So if she's so big on taking care of black lives, why do 70 to almost 80% of black children in in St. Louis can't do math or English to grade level? I don't hear her talking about that. Look look at them. Look at what they did to Larry Elder. Yeah, the (laughs) white face of black, white supremacy. Here's a guy that That went. That's an actual article. Yeah, from the L.A. Times. Larry Elder went to Crenshaw High, one of the worst high schools in California, if not the nation, and he ran against a white, uh, progressive, elitist individual who was born into wealth his whole life, married into wealth, supported by wealth, but yet. The white suprem the black candidate is the face of white supremacy but, uh, and I mean, white privilege. We we had really? we had a school up in Michigan wanted to change its name because it was named after Ben Carson, which was it was a predominantly black school. And you're like, this is someone we don't want representing us. <laughs> yeah, a black brain up, surgeon who grew up in poverty yeah. and his mother only had a third grade education. Yeah, and this is a guy that rose to the top of his the pinnacle mm-hmm. of his profession as a neuro um what's it a neuro it was a neurological doctor yeah but i think when it comes down to it we just want somebody that represents america and does what's best for america exactly. whether whether i agree with it or not you because know not, I mean, we all three came in the military yeah the one je- person who mentored me when i was because i love politics and foreign policy and we used to we always talk these issues had a long conversation, was a, um, a colonel I served with when I was in Afghanistan who happened to be African-American. And I talked to a gentleman today at work, um, and I work again, work at a, an law enforcement supply company. And I go, <laughs> but I mean, but the thing is, what I was telling him, when I'm in the military, when I was in Iraq, and Joe, you were in combat in Iraq as well, mm-hmm. when we were getting shot at, I didn't look around to say, well, I can't, Take care. I can't be next to him. He's black. Yeah. I didn't care if you're black, white, or come from Pluto. Isn't that as kind of long as you get me home? Color means nothing. So I didn't. I don't look at it that way. I, I have a question. Oh, now, you don't come. have to answer this, but the blunt report: Ben Carson equals Sambo sellout. Uh, can you explain to me how he's a sellout? I don't get that. that I don't see. But how isn't it? it but hold on, isn't that whole term racist in itself? It is, I mean, it's racist <laughs> he, in itself. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, look at Ben Carson. Did he grow up in wealth? No. Did he have wealthy parents? No. Was his parents well educated? No. His mom only had a third grade education. So, how is he a sellout because he wants 
individual opportunities. He's also been talking about education as a pinnacle that got him ahead. His mother pushed his brothers and sister get an education, pushed him to read. How is that being a sellout? Yeah. What does Ben Carson have to be? A, be in the prison, the criminal justice system as a prisoner? Does he have to be a single parent, having uh, children outside of wedlock? Is that what the what he's trying to push? And then Beach Baby two two six says it would be nice to have politicians, regardless of party, not beholden to lobbyists. No, I would. Uh, yeah. that, that's a plus. That would be, be great. Well, here's an example. Follow the political leaders one, and staffers once they leave Washington. They go right back into the, the, um, the lobbying arm that they regulated. So if they were in charge of banking, they go right and re, um, be a lobbyist or a lawyer for the banking industry. So is Nancy Pelosi technically still the speaker? No. I mean, not. she hasn't handled the gavel over. That's just a more mere formality. We don't have a speaker right now. Okay. She's done. So, and you know what? There's the big question. I know we're going to get a little bit rallying up going on here. But can our one, once president, Donald J. Trump, be speaker of the House? Now, that's a good question because I remember one time I see you, it was asked here before, and I said no because he's not a member of the House. Mm-hmm. Um, I heard, was listening to Fox, but I think they might be wrong. I believe you have to be a member of the House of Representatives to be selected as speaker. I don't think you can pick someone outside the body because you're not a member of the body. Mm-hmm. So I think Fox was wrong on that one. I'm not sure who said it. and I just know I, I heard that on Fox News. I just don't remember what show or what program on who said it. Just, just one sec. Kim, thirty-four, fourteen. Why is it based on money raised? Are you talking about running for office? I'm gonna see if she can get back on that. You know, but I, actually, that kind of I, brings me up a question. Go ahead, Joe. Well, okay, if I put like a hundred million dollars into my campaign, do I have a better chance of winning than say someone that's putting in like a hundred thousand or two hundred thousand? Or is there kind of some kind of regulation when it goes there? Okay, perfect. The the question was, why is it based on money raised for running for office? Because both of you guys have good questions on that. Okay, answer hers first, though. Okay, but money raised, it's when you run for public office, it takes money. And what I mean by that is when you first start, you you got to file. You can either do it two ways. You can pay the fee, which is like it depends what state you're in, or it's usually about $10,000, or you get enough signatures in each state. Each district is different. So let's just say you have to get 5,000 signatures to not to pay that that fee. But then once you run, then you it depends what state you're in. Some states are more expensive. Like um, when I lived in California, there's five distinct regions, especially let's say you run for governor or U.S. Senate. There's five distinct regions. So you got to have money to run in Los Angeles, San Francisco, Sacramento, San Diego, and Santa, it, it all costs money, and these are very high expensive um, media markets, so they don't cover each other. Some states, one media network will cover the whole state. Now, we live in Florida, so if you run in Florida, you have to run in the Tampa media market, the Orlando media market, you go down to Miami, then you got Jacksonville, and then there's Tallahassee and Gainesville. So it does, it does take money, and then things have changed. Before you can do direct mail, there's other things. But now with 
social media, you have to have a strong social media presence presence and getting your your message on television that's expensive Mm -hmm. so all this takes money that's why running for the big offices take just a lot of money i mean you're talking i mean just think like take stacy abrams she raised a hundred million dollars to run for her losing campaign in georgia far more than what brian kemp raised Mm -hmm. and then in the presidential race uh donald trump didn't raise as much as Joe Biden did. And then what you're saying, there's also, there are campaign laws. You have, if you're a corporation, you can only donate so much. Then if you're an individual, you can only donate so much in a general election. And that includes the general and the primaries, two distinct elections. Then you also have the so-called dark money, where you can donate to PACs who then can spend as much money as they want. So there's different rules. And I'm against some of the way that we, we're spending on elections. We're starting so early, but it's like sometimes I would think I would love to run for public office, but I don't have the money that you need to get started. And everybody goes, well, it's just you got, got to go door knocking. You got to work. Yeah, that's true. George, um, Jeb Bush in 2016 raised a lot of money and lost. But there's also people who've raised a lot of money and won and forced out a lot of good candidates who most potentially could win. Like in 2016, one podcast we did a long time ago was who could go toe-to-toe with um, Donald Trump as a Democrat. And I said James Webb. James Webb couldn't get the traction, couldn't get the money, and he was out before the first primary in 2016. Are they ever going to like maybe normalize or balance out? I think one of the things I was talking to you about earlier today was like, can we have a great reset when it comes to these politicians? Because they only seem to be after their self-interest. And it, the, I guess you can look at it like the pool is tainted. So how do we correct it? Because you're always going to have, it's almost like <clears throat> poisoning the well. Even though you can remove as much poison as you want, there's it's still... The way to get... The- I mean, to we, me, this may be a simplistic answer to that or a way to fix the system. The way I always believe to fix it is the American people need to get more involved. And what I mean by that is they need to be better informed of what goes on. And I get this with my brother. I don't have the time to read what you read. You, but I read follow politics probably more than most. Mm-hmm. But one, there's one site I really start with, and that's Real Clear Politics. It gives me... All these tabs on energy, politics, education, there's always a conservative article and a liberal article. So I can get both sides, get an idea. Then I go do my own digging on other things. But Americans need to understand when politicians make these claims, like when Joe Biden made the claim, I'm not going to tax anybody making $400,000 or less. Well, that doesn't make sense because most of the money is below that. Mm-hmm. You can tax the wealthy all you want to oblivion. You're never going to sp- get all the money you need unless you go after the middle class. And even though like 400000 I mean, that's like, isn't that like the threshold for the 1%? Yeah, but I mean, okay, then you go to the other part that needs to be changed is, and we're seeing it with this Twitter release, was is the media. Now, there's also, when I wrote an article a while back about... Um, 
is there some t- I asked a friend, is there a Hippocratic oath regarding the media? Like do you have with the doctors when the doctors, yeah. it's medical professions do no harm. Well, in the media, they have an ethics code. And if you read the bullet points of that, our media today has violated every single one. Yeah, they're not held to that standard. And the one thing is, the number one is stand by the accuracy of your reporting. And <laughs> speed is not a substitute for sloppiness. Yeah. It deal talks, how do you deal with, um, with um, sources? And then the fourth paragraph has talked about d- be, be impartial. Now, we all have our biases. In one podcast, Joe, you asked me, if you were given a million dollars, would you back or support a, or any of the Republican yep, candidates? Yeah. John would be eating fat steaks, yeah. nice house. And not sleeping where I'm sleeping. Yeah, but sleeping would, on a nice, comfortable bed. Yeah, but I said no because <clears throat> I think as a reporter covering these issues, even though I lean center-right, I don't – I've never – have ever given to the Republican Party. Mm. And I won't back a Republican candidate – while I'm doing this political podcast. Let me emphasize, John will not do that. Yeah, I didn't say anything about Ray or I. Yeah, that's <laughs> different. But for me, I won't do that because that taints me. If I want to cover the Republicans yeah. or Democrats, you can say, well, you're Republican. You're giving a show me one instance where I have. You yeah. look at, like, take George Stephanopoulos. When they did, um, he interviewed someone, in Peter Schweitzer, in 2015 about the Clinton Foundation. Because he wrote a book called uh, Clinton Cash. Yeah, I think it was Clinton Cash. And George Stephanopoulos was very tough. But what George Stephanopoulos didn't say, he donated $80,000 to the Clinton Foundation and was heavily involved in doing focus groups for him. That violated even the standards of ABC News, but he still sticks around. Yeah. So it goes both ways. We need the media to be less less um, partisan, and we need the public – to really understand if a politician says something that's too good to be true, it probably is a bold-faced lie. And they need to go by what Alexander Solzhenitsyn said in 1978. He was a famous Russian dissident, and he, t- he really admonished the media. He goes, who holds you accountable when you make a, a, a report on something that's not true, not factual, but or you come to the wrong conclusion to push an ideological bent that you have? Who holds you accountable? Nobody. So if the media, if we're going to get our country back and on the right track addressing our needs, we got to have the media be less polarizing and less partisan, and the public has to be more knowledgeable of what's going on around them. So um, are we going to have a speaker by our next show? Yeah, I think we'll have. I think we'll have it by the end of the week. Okay. So uh, how can you go ahead and get a hold of you, John? Well, you can get a hold of us by going to Ubaldi Reports at gmail.com that's ubaldi reports at gmail.com or check us out on all our social media platforms like facebook twitter instagram tiktok and the like um uh, yeah, yeah keep going that way let us know what you think of these shows we're trying to just address some of the concerns what's out there if you have any questions whether good bad or indifference let us know what you think and we're going to do our first go-to show uh in a little bit aren't we yeah we're going to we're looking at doing it at a restaurant up in a, a city north of tampa just asking people what they think but we just want to get this information out we really want to do this so we can do this five days a week because there's always a lot of issues and we can dissect and and really break this down and present the information and you decide what you want to do so 
And we have Ray. Then we have Ray, who does. Our, um, he's our more or less our Second Amendment correspondent. And he's very knowledgeable about not only just weapons itself, very knowledgeable about the latest gun laws, firearm restrictions, or what they're trying to do, what the ATF is trying to do. So if you have knowledge on that, or the one thing I like is maybe ta 